First Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, the Bible says, Wherefore, gird up your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. I want to preach tonight on the subject of holiness. Now, this subject is one that has been called old-fashioned, it has been called outdated, and by even some it's been called legalistic. Unfortunately, those that would use those type terms do not have a proper understanding of the right division of Scripture. For holiness is taught throughout the Word of God. Those that fight against the doctrine of holiness are one of two things. They're either unsaved or they're not filled with the Spirit of God. It's simple as that. You know, when we hear the word holiness, we automatically think of the nomination of people. Uh, their ladies are known for their long hair, their long dresses, and their even longer tongues. I mean, um, some of y'all had to smile because you know I was talking about holiness, all right? But holiness is not a, a denomination. But holiness is a doctrine that is clearly taught throughout the Word of God. If you look up the definition of holiness in a Webster's 1828 dictionary, now look, don't, you're already putting the brakes on me now. I'm going to preach on holiness, and you're already like, oh no, here we go. Just stay with me. We're going to preach a Bible message on holiness, all right? Y'all know I'm a Bible preacher, and we're going to preach a Bible message on this subject. So take the brakes off a little bit and help me out. The word holy means a uh, signifies being perfectly pure, immaculate, and complete in moral character. A man is more or less holy as his heart is more or less sanctified or purified from evil dispositions. We call a man holy when his heart is conformed in some degree to the image of God. And it's, listen to this definition. This is not in a Bible dictionary. This is in a Webster's 1828 dictionary. And his life is regulated by the divine precepts. You know what Mr. Webster said? A holy man is a man whose life is regulated and dictated by the holy scriptures, the holy precepts of the Word of God. That's what a holy man is. He goes on to say this word holiness is consecrated or set apart to a sacred use to the service or the worship of God. The word holy is found 546 times in our King James Bible. The word holiness is found 43 times in our Bible, totaling in 589 times that you'll find the word holy or holiness in our Bible. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, we find the first mention of the word holy. The Bible said, And when the Lord saw that He, speaking of Moses, turned aside to see, God called to Him out of the midst of the 
bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. So the first time of the word holy is used in the Bible is there in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 4. And it's interesting that it's talking about holy ground. Now what made that ground holy? I'll tell you, it wasn't because Moses was there. It was because God was there. And God spoke out of that bush. What makes you and I holy? What? How can we be holy? It's not because of who we are, but it's rather because of who He is. The word holiness, the first mention of that word, is in Exodus chapter 15, verse 11. And Moses is singing that song of redemption as they've come out of the land of Egypt. And here's what the Word of God says. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness and fearful in praises, doing wonders. And so we are living in a day where churches, as we mentioned this morning in Sunday school, where churches are trying to mix the world and the church together. Uh, They feel like in order to reach the world uh, that they have to bring in the world to reach the world. But as I said this morning, a man that is in darkness doesn't need more darkness, but he needs a light to shine. And may I remind you tonight that we're not trying uh, to to make friends with the world. We're trying to bring the world to a saving knowledge of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, I don't believe that we ought to be jerks for Jesus. We ought not be rude. We ought not be unkind. Uh, But we ought to be a light and a testimony. The preacher preached the other night out of Matthew 5, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I tell you, tonight, trying to win the world by becoming like the world is not God's way of doing it. In fact, the Word of God teaches us, 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verses 14 through 18. The Word of God says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That unequal yoke, that, that picture, that illustration is in Deuteronomy 22.10, uh, where in that Levitical law, He said, Thou shalt not plow an ox and an ass together. Why could they not do that? Because one was a clean animal and one was an unclean animal. And an oxen and a donkey, they walk different. Their steps are different. It's not wise to plow uh, those two animals together. He says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? He said, How can they go together, righteousness and unrighteousness? They don't match. And what communion have light with darkness? The Bible said in 1 John 1, 5, This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. If I am saved by the grace of God, that means the light of the world is inside of me. And so why would me as the light want to conform to the darkness that is around me? Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable 
infallible and perfect will of God. He goes on to say, and what concord or what agreement hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? That word Belial there is a name for Satan. He is drawing two contrasts. He said, we don't need to be like the world. Being like the world is trying to tie Christ and Satan together. They're two opposites. They're from two totally uh, different spectrums. But I tell you, when we try uh, to say we're saved by the grace of God, uh, but live a life that is not pleasing to the Lord, and live a life that is contrary to the Scriptures, we are trying to put light with darkness. Uh, we're trying to put a Christ with Satan. Verse number uh, 16, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You know what? He, he contrasts of uh, the temple of God uh, with idols. Now, we know that temple of God is a capital G-O-D. He's talking about uh, the, our body being the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we know what idolatry is. Idolatry uh, was a sin that God dealt with in the Ten Commandments on two uh, separate occasions. You know what those idols are? Uh, the psalmist said they have hands, but they feel not. They have eyes, but they see not. Ears they have, but they hear not. Noses they have, but they smell not. They're deaf. They have no life. Oh, but our God is in the heaven. We don't serve a statue tonight. Oh, we don't serve a false god tonight. Oh, but we serve a God who is alive and well. And he said, why in the world that us, those of us who know God and who know the Lord, why would we want to be associated with idolatry? In light of that, wherefore? Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Holiness is a Bible doctrine that if we're going to be scriptural, New Testament, and Spirit-filled Christians, we must live a holy life set apart unto the Lord Jesus Christ. One writer said, God has called every Christian to a holy life. There is no expectations to this call. It is not only a call to pastors, missionaries, or a few dedicated Sunday school teachers, but every Christian of every nation, whether rich or poor, learned or unlearned, influential or totally unknown, is called to be holy. A.W. Tozer said, Every man is as holy as he really wants to be. He also said, You cannot study the Bible diligently and earnestly without being struck with the obvious fact that the whole matter of personal holiness is highly important to God. Holiness. Holiness. I want to say, I've got three things I want to say. I don't think I'll get them all said tonight, but we'll go for about another 20 minutes and, and we'll go to the house. But I want to say three things about holiness tonight out of our verses that we've read. First of all, I want us to see the character of God in our text. Look, please, in verse number 15. But as He which hath called you is holy. Now, right at the start, as the Apostle Peter is dealing with this subject of holiness in our text, he begins first by pointing to the fact that the character of God Himself is holy. One writer said, God, and listen to this one now, God has not called us to be like those around us. He has called us to be like Himself. Holiness is nothing less than conformity to the character of God. 
I'm not asking you tonight to line up with the preacher. I'm not asking you tonight to line up with the preacher's wife. There are some places where that's the standard. I believe I ought to set an example. My, part of my qualifi- qualification, qualification, qualification is to be an example to the flock. I'm supposed to, uh, me and my family are supposed to set the example, uh, but I'm not to lord over God's heritage. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, holiness is conforming to God. Paul said, be ye followers of me as I follow Christ. Christ is the measure. Christ is the standard. Because, believe it or not, and if you don't believe it, hang out with me more than 20 minutes, I am not perfect. Say amen, honey. She's so kind. And such a liar. Amen. I am not perfect. I have a perfect wife. See what I did, fellas? Now she joins the service. Amen. David, that's a good idea. It's hot. Anybody else hot? Well, it's too late to do anything about it now. Amen. Hey, when it's hot, you can, well, I, I think they can take clothes off, but that's not a good thing. We're talking about holiness. That wouldn't be good talking about taking clothes off. Amen. But I'm not perfect. I have faults. I have failures. I still have the flesh. But Christ, God, He has no faults. He has no failures. He has no deficiencies. He has no shortcomings. Leviticus chapter 11 says, For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves. Ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. What Peter is quoting here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses number 15, 16, and 17. First, excuse me, verse 15 and 16. He is quoting Leviticus 11. 44 and 45. Two men in the Word of God were permitted, permitted to see into heaven and to see the Lord on the throne, one by a vision and the other by a visit. Isaiah saw the Lord by vision. Isaiah chapter number 6, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord uh, sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple, and above it stood the seraphims, and each one had six wings. With twain He covered his, His face, with twain He covered His feet, and with twain He did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Now if it be the modern church, it'd be love, love, love. Or grace, grace, grace. Hey, I'm thankful for love, and I'm thankful for grace. But that's not what them seraphims are shouting in heaven. You know what they're shouting? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. John saw it in Revelation 4 by a visit. He was called up into heaven in Revelation 4, come up hither. And when John got up there, he heard the four beasts that had six wings about them and were full of eyes with them, and they rest not night and day. He saw the same thing uh, that, brother, that Brother Isaiah saw. And you know what they were saying? They were saying the same thing. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. So from the book of Isaiah... To the book of Revelation, we know that them seraphims were still crying, holy, 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 around the throne of God. I'm talking about God's character being holy. You see, God is not going to ask us to do something that He's not. So I said, preacher, are you preaching a sinless perfection? No, absolutely not. Here's what I am preaching, though. If you're saved, you're not going to be sinless, but if you're saved, you ought to want to sin less. Amen. 
in these both separate testaments and separate times, separate men both saw the Lord, and they heard that same cry, Holy, Holy, Holy. He's a holy God tonight. Isaiah 57, 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. Did you know that's God's name? Holy is one of God's names. You know, I have, I have several names. My full name is Joshua Caleb Montgomery. I go by Josh. The only people that call me Joshua is my mom and my dad. And somebody said, why don't you want me to call Joshua? I sound like a nine-year-old. Josh sounds cooler. It ain't cooler, but it sounds cooler. <laughs> All right? Uh, but that's, that's my full name. But then I'm also known as pastor. I'm also known as preacher. I would like to be known as bishop. I really like y'all work on that. All right? Bishop. Okay? I've been reading 2 Timothy 3. I would like to be known as bishop. Because that just sounds like fun. Okay? Or elder. I like being known as Elder Josh. <laughs> Maybe when I get old like Tony, who's turning 50 next year, if y'all didn't, I found that out. Um, uh, you know, uh, I'm known as pastor. I'm known as daddy. I'm a dad. I'm, I've got these three youngs that call me dad. Sider calls me daddy. And Judah, dad, 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 dad. And my wife calls me moron. I'm known by a lot of things. Shut up, Patty. All right. <laughs> You know why they call me dad? Because that's who I am to them. You know why my wife calls me husband? <laughs> well, nobody actually calls you husband. But you know why I'm her? that's who I am to her? You know why God's name is holy? Because that's who He ought to be to us. He ought to be holy. The character of God is holy. I've got so many other verses. I've got a lot of verses written down uh, because I knew there would be somebody out there in the Internet world say that legalistic preacher just preaching on uh, uh, personal beliefs. No, I'm going to give you a lot of Bibles. Psalm 69.9 or 96.9. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 103.1. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Finish it. Bless His what? Holy name. Psalm 29, 2, giving the Lord the glory due to His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. 1 Samuel 2, 2, there is none as holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. God's power is holy. God's name is holy. God's city is holy. God's nature is holy. God's grace is holy. God's presence is holy. God's promises are holy. God's touch is holy. God's love is holy. God's mercy is holy. God's house should be a holy place. God's throne is holy. His blood is holy. His Bible is holy. Amen. His Word, His church is holy. His pardon is holy. His people ought to be holy. The personification of God is that He is holy. That is the character of God in this text. Secondly, the character of God, but it's He which hath called you is holy. But I want you to notice, secondly, the calling of God. Look at verse 15 again. We're still in our Bible. But as He which hath, said the next two words please, called you is holy. This calling refers to salvation's call. Now listen to me very carefully. God is not asking people that are lost to be holy. Holiness does not attain salvation. Let me say it like this in a way that you might comprehend a little bit better. You can't do enough good to be saved. 
That makes sense. So there's a lot of people say, well, you just, because legalism is adding works to grace. I'm not adding works to grace. I believe in a grace that works. Amen. I believe that, that salvation is not based on works, but it will produce works after salvation. But this calling here is interesting. Notice the wording of our text. I love my Bible. But as he which hath, as a past tense, called you, is holy. Meaning, these people are already saved in this text. Who is Peter writing to? Well, First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered about through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit, under the obedience, by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace be to you. Peace be multiplied. We'd agree he's writing to save folks. Not people that were, were predestined to be saved. Don't let that word elect scare you. Don't let that bother you. Amen. We were chosen in Christ, but we had to respond to the gospel. Amen. One verse can stand by itself, but one verse don't have to stand by itself. God gave us the whole Bible, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, comparing Scripture with Scripture. He'll say later on, he tasted death, and, and, and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we'd agree he's writing to save folk. So he's not telling them to be holy so they can be saved. You see that? They're already in the family. That word called, it means to call aloud, to utter in a loud voice, to invite, to give a name. Peter likes this word called. He'll use it four other times in this epistle of 1 Peter, 1 Peter 2, 9. But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. 1 Peter 2, 21. For even hereunto you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us example that you should follow His steps. 1 Peter 3, 9. Not rendering evil for evil, nor railing for railing, but Connor wise blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. First Peter five ten. But the God of all grace, who hath called you into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. There is certainly a call of salvation in this text. When I got saved, what did he call me out of? Two things. He called me from death unto life. I was dead, according to Ephesians 2. I was dead in trespass and sin. I walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air. And the Spirit which now worketh in the children of disobedience. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He called us. Here's a biblical illustration at that point. Lazarus is in the grave. He's been dead how many days? It's not a trick question. Four days. Somebody, please tell me you've listened to four days late. He's still on time. All right, four days. One time a Southern Gospel writer got it right. He was four days late. He's been in the grave four days. And he stinketh. He is bound. He is dead. Somebody said, dead man can't do nothing. Well, apparently they can hear the voice of God. What did Jesus do? He went to that grave and said, Lazarus, come forth. You know what Lazarus did? He responded to the Word. And he was brought from death unto life because he responded to the Word of God. You know, that's the same way we got saved. Peter will say in this same chapter, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, ooh, here we go, by the Word of God. 
which liveth and abideth forever. You know how you got saved? Same way last guy out of the grave. You respond to the Word of God. And then there's that sanctification. Loose him and let him go. That was He, he told them other people to loose him and let him go. That's the church coming along and helping a sinner grow in the Lord. He can't, he's bound up. He looks, like, he looks like a mummy. Not your mommy. He looks like a mummy. He's all bound up. So the church comes along, the church comes along and frees this hand and lets him worship with this hand. The church comes along and helps him, and helps him see things, gets it off his face. You see what I'm saying? That's sanctification. He called me from death and the life. But then he called me from darkness to light. We done read the, we done read it in 1 Peter 2 9 that he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here's the illustration of that. Blind Bartimaeus is sitting by the highway side begging. He hears that Jesus is on his way. He hears that Jesus is coming. And so he cries out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible said in Jesus, Mark 10, 49, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good cheer, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Now, you see the beauty of that in salvation? Lazarus didn't call out to God. Did you hear me? Lazarus didn't call out to Jesus. Jesus called out to Lazarus. But in this text, Jesus didn't call out to Bartimaeus until Bartimaeus called out to Jesus. See, there's some people, amen, there's some people, they're so bad in sin, they don't even know anything. What, what did Lazarus know? He don't know nothing. He's dead. But Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming. He had no way of seeing he was coming, but he heard he was coming. He responded to what he heard and called out Jesus. And Brother David, when he called out to Jesus, you know what Jesus did? He called out to him. Oh, that's good. Even if I am preaching. Amen. I'm, I mean, if you don't enjoy your own preaching, don't expect nobody else to. So that's the character of God. But he which hath called you is holy. So be. And then there is the calling of God. He hath called you. Now this, I ain't gonna, I'm, I'm just going to give you this third point so you see it in the text and we'll come back and deal with it later. But then that leads us to the command of God. Verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy. Here, here's, the call, here's the command. Ready? So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy. For I am holy. He says, um, here's what the Lord's saying. I'm holy. I don't think there would be. But everybody here agrees tonight. Or I don't think there would be any disagreement. Everybody here agrees tonight. God's holy, right? Can I get an amen out of that? Can I get an amen out of some of you Presbyterians? God's holy? See, y'all can do it. I believe in you. So we believe God's holy. I believe you're here on a Sunday night. I'm not saying there couldn't be a lost person here. You never know. But I'd say majority of you are saved. If you're saved, say amen. amen. All right? So we got two of the three down. Now, wouldn't you say that the rest of that verse is a command? There's the character. He's holy. There's the calling. But the c- command. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written... Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, we don't mind those first two. And a lot of churches don't mind those first two. 
But it's that third one we got a problem with. Because you know what we're afraid of? You're, we're afraid. Now listen to me. Y'all zone in. I'm, I'm done in four minutes, okay? Here's what we're afraid of. You're afraid of the same thing I was afraid of when I started studying this subject. Are you listening? You're afraid of this. What's God going to make me quit? What's God going to make me give up? What am I going to have to stop doing? Where am I going to have to stop going? Where am I going to have to stop participating in? Are you hearing me? That's why we don't want to talk about holiness, because we're afraid what God might put His finger on. Oh, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You see, I don't. I'm, and I, I preach on things, and I will. But most of the time, the preachers don't have to hit anything. We know. We know. You know, I've heard people, and, I, and I'm done. I, I've got, I've got other verses. We're going to pick this up either Wednesday night or next Sunday night. Okay. This is a study. We're, we're going to take a couple. We're going to take a couple weeks and look at this subject. I believe it's very important because I'm supposed to be like Christ, right? Well, He's holy. I know we don't like that sound because we think we're going to have to walk around. You ladies, and you have to walk around looking like a nun. That ain't holy. That's weird. All right, but it won't bother you to want to dress modestly. And you fellas thinking, man, I'm going to have to stop, you know, smiling and having a good time. No. It's just, you know, you can have a good time and it not be filthy. You can have entertainment and fun and it not be the filth and the sewage of this world. It is possible. It is possible to have a good time being a born-again Christian. But we're all afraid when we think about holiness. What am I going to have to give up? What am I going to have to quit? What am I going to stop doing? Am I going to stop going there, doing this? Be ye holy. That's a command, right? Does anybody have a problem with the command, thou shalt not kill? Does anybody have a problem with that? Anybody against that commandment? How about thou shalt not commit adultery? Anybody against that commandment? Well, I guess an adulterer might be. <laughs> we're, we're, we, yeah, we're for that. You know, honor thy father and thy mother. Yes, sir, preacher. You know, we understand, remember, Sabbath day was the Saturday for the Jew, but we honor the Lord's day. Amen. Okay. We like all them ten, don't we? Did you know all ten sent around that one? Did you hear me? Those ten commandments. Thou shalt know all the gods before me. All those ten commandments. They all center around this one. Be ye holy as I am holy. If I will be holy... I want, if I can't tell you that one command, I don't have to worry about them other ten. You see how simple God's made it for us? Now, both Tony, I ain't trying to be holy to be saved. And I'm not trying to be holy to stay saved. I'm trying to be holy because I am saved. Be ye holy, for I am holy. The Lord's holy tonight. We like that. He's called us out of darkness and light, from death and light. We like that. But we don't like that next part of the verse. So be ye holy, as I am holy. Because it is written. You know what Peter's doing? He's quoting Scripture. So not just, not just me tonight am I going to the Scripture and proving my point. 
But then the Apostle Peter went back into Scripture. So we got Scripture upon Scripture tonight saying that it's a command for us to be holy. Holy. Amen. Let's stand together. I, I kept my word. That's 30 minutes. I appreciate, that's actually 31 minutes. I appreciate your attention. This is probably more of a Bible study tonight than a sermon.